Hey everyone, welcome to Infused Church Online. Today we're in part five in our series, The Five Ways to Grow Your Faith. Now if you're a parent, don't you care a lot about the friends your kid has? What about in your own personal life? Don't you care about the friends you have and the type of people they are? And it matters because those people have a direct impact on your ability to grow in your faith and the relationships you build. And if you're able to identify healthy relationships, they will help you to grow in your faith. So stick around to find out how you can find good relationships to help you grow. Today we are in uh, and talking about the fourth of five ways um, to grow our faith. Uh, last week I shared with you that we came up with these little faith growth guides. Um, they're 100% free. They're in the back. They're just some thoughts and ideas um, that's been kind of collected over time of ways um, that you can take steps, whether you're starting or you've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, um, and action steps you can take, things you can read, things you can watch, uh, and just to help you take your next step of faith, um, because there's more ways than just five. These are just some highlighted ways that I, at least I've noticed in listening to stories that you've shared with me uh, and my own story to say, hey, these are some good things to consider as ways to grow your faith. Now, I wanted to start off by talking about um, uh, something that is a little embarrassing, and I'm sure none of you, none of you have ever fallen victim to it. Uh, you all are too wise and too smart and too experienced to do so, uh, but I'll be honest, I have fallen victim to it, and I'm talking about peer pressure. I didn't think so. You all are too heavenly. Um, but um, now, the kind of peer pressure that I'm talking about, um, at, at least that I've kind of participated in, is not maybe as bad as jumping off the back of a semi-trailer into a refrigerator box. Uh, but certainly in my younger days, uh, and there were times in which I had made some, maybe some bad decisions and maybe some things that you can uh, resonate with. You know, those moments when a friend of yours said, you know, well, they won't care. You know, he won't care, she won't care, but then you find out, and you honestly kind of knew it to begin with, that they would really care. But because they kind of pressured you into it, you decided to go a different route. Or maybe, uh, you know, in college, um, you're at the point where uh, they were passing out old tests, you know, in class, and those were your study tests, and you're not sure that the professor really knew about it, because probably they didn't know about it, but you just assumed that everybody else was doing it, so it was okay if you did it too, Right? Or maybe back in the drinking days, which may not be back that far for you, it was kind of one of those, like, you drink a beer, I drink a beer, and then we kind of forgot the rest. Or maybe gossip was something in your life. I think that's one of the most, um, ones that's really hard to direct, uh, detect, but it really is peer pressure, where they come up to you and they say, I heard this, and she said that, and all that, and you kind of sit there and think to yourself, well, if they know, and they said it, then probably everybody knows, so it's probably okay if I said it, too, but at the end of the day, it's just really gossip. We all find ourselves in places where we are peer pressured into something, and it is understandably difficult, whether you're an adult or you're a kid, because you, you know, you're supposed to grow up, and when you became an adult, you're supposed to stop doing this, but you find yourself kind of still a part of it, or involved in it, or at least feeling peer pressured. It's difficult to stand up and say, no, this is not right. No, I'm not going to do this, um, and stand up and, and kind of do the, do the right thing. Now, contrary to what we think, because when we think about peer pressure, we tend to think of it in negative terms, I want to look at it from a little bit of a different angle, because it will help us to dive off into today's content and in today's way to grow your faith. 
Because I think, or I would at least argue to you, that the problem isn't peer pressure, it's the peers who are pressuring. It isn't peer pressure, it's the peers who are pressuring. Now, you and I were all taught in school not to peer pressure other people, right? And I don't know what you were doing, maybe napping during those lectures, but part of me was sitting there as the teacher would explain, don't peer pressure, and I was thinking to myself, yeah, but peer pressure could be good. Like, there could be good peer pressure, couldn't there? Like, I thought it would be cool if, like, I went into a friend group and said, hey, you know, let's all, instead of going and doing this, let's all go home and just, like, study. You know, hey, how about we all just tell the truth? How about let's all just help a friend? And you might be able to see how I didn't have many friends when I was growing up. Because nobody wants to do that. That's not cool. That's not peer pressure. That's just doing the right thing. And it's difficult to do the right thing. I hope you can understand that peer pressure can kind of go both ways. Peer pressure is actually what we call amoral. It's neither bad nor good. What is and is the driving force behind the type of peer pressure that's there is the peer themselves, our peer, our peers, excuse me. I mean, parents, why do you care so much who your kids hang out with? Peer pressure, right? You know that what matters most is the who that's doing the pressuring. And so that's why you try to be at least selective or somewhat selective with your kids. Elia, uh, our daughter, is only 18 months And I find myself like watching like a hawk what kids are doing around her. Like, I don't care if you're two years old, get your act together and stop teaching my kid whatever you're doing. You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to be crying right now because now she's going to cry and then you're all crying. And now for the next half hour, you're all going to cry through dance class. That was this week, by the way. So anyways, (laughs) we made it through. Um, Anywho, uh, so... But, but it, it doesn't stop there. Adults, we have this all the time. And you know it's there. And that's why, that's why you regulate who you hang out with. That's why in your past you have kind of cut off communications with people or stepped away from people because you know it matters. You know that the relationships you have and the who behind those relationships matters to your life. This is not like an overly spiritual thing. This is just kind of a life So you're not going to be surprised when I read two of these verses that kind of speak to this. Um, One comes from the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians. It says, bad company corrupts good character. Now notice Paul wasn't writing to the church in Corinth, this little group of people just like us, um, probably meeting in houses um, and and back 2,000 years ago. He did not say bad decisions corrupt good character. He said bad company corrupts good character. It's the company, the people, the who that matters. Or in Proverbs, this is like so self-explanatory. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. This is so intuitive. We know this. But it's one thing to know it, and it's another thing to do it. It's easy to know that your relationships matter, and it's easy to accept that when I say, hey, listen, if you want to grow your faith, one of the best ways to do that is to have relationships that will help you grow your faith. Your relationships is going to be the fourth way that you can grow your faith. Just as relationships have formed who you are today, they can form you in this area as well. God 
this is crazy. For some of you, this is a bit of a stretch. I understand. But God can actually work through other people and your relationships with other people to grow you. But you have to have the relationship to begin with. See, it makes so much sense. We could even go back to that last verse and we could swap some words around and, and you'd get this. Walk with people growing in their faith and you will also grow in your faith. Makes sense. Just as the opposite is also true. If you avoid people, because I see this Unfortunately, all the time, I see people avoiding people who are growing in their faith because they, at the end of the day, deep down, they're not sure that they want to grow in their faith. And so you just kind of keep people at arm's distance. And I get it. Sometimes Christians can be overbearing, over the top, over spiritual, and it's like just a lot to, to take in. But if you don't have a relationship, it's going to be very difficult for you to grow. Just as it's true as if you avoid people, if you hang out with people who are either static, stagnant, or going backwards or away from faith, you too will find it easier than not to slide away than slide to. You know this. You know this. And this is such a powerful principle. I know this is, like, I'm not a fortune teller or anything, but you know that it is possible to predict someone's future to a degree based on the relationships that they have. That's why you've looked at friends, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever, and you've said, if you keep hanging out with those people, you're going to end up like those people. Or at least that's what your mama told you. You didn't listen, did you? Some of you might have listened. I don't know. But because it does matter, and it will impact you. Your relationships, your relationships matter. Now, for Taylor, a couple of years ago, um, like close to a decade ago, um, as an agnostic or someone who believes that there is a God or a creator of the universe, but not really sure if that's a Christian God or a Jewish God or any of the other religions God, just not sold on that, not sold about the whole Jesus thing. That's what an agnostic is. For me, one of the key faith growth moments, and I shared this a couple weeks ago, were the relationships that I had in my life. And one of the relationships, I've talked about this before, um, but it's been a while, uh, was a college professor in my degree program. And I found out uh, that he was a Christian and that he went to church and he served at a church in Ames and um, at the, the, holy, the holy place in Ames. Um, you know what I'm saying, Hawkeye fans? Okay. Um, and, 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 and so I built a relationship with him and talked to him about matters of faith because I didn't get this. I didn't believe what he believed, but I believed in who he was. I believe that he was an authentic person because of the decisions he made and how he carried himself and treated other people. But I didn't believe what he believed. I didn't have his faith, but I wanted to understand faith. And so why not surround myself with people who do to help me to come to a conclusion about my own? And so if you're in a place in your life where you're, you're um, not sure about the whole Jesus thing or, or you're you know, trying to figure it out, you're restarting or starting over again or something along those lines, I would really encourage you, as I will encourage all of you, is you have to find relationships in your life and hold on to them that will help you, relationships that will help you to grow your faith. Now, it's easier said than done. And that gets to the bottom line for today is your relationships matter, but you have to regulate your relationships. In other words, regulation or to regulate something means to control or maintain it so that it operates properly. 
You have to operate properly your relationships to get the results that you want to do. And you know, by experience, it is not that easy. If it was that easy, we'd all have great relationships. But I'm guessing it wouldn't take you very long to come up with just a couple of names of people who you don't talk to anymore, where there's strain in the relationship. We just got done with a series called Bad Blood. A lot of you resonated with that because we all have some bad blood relationships in our past. And you have to say, in the midst of that, I'm going to regulate my relationships. And in the midst of those challenges, I'm going to find people who will help me grow. Not people who are going to encourage me to jump off the back of a trailer into a refrigerator bin, but that people who are going to help me take steps of growth. And so what I want to do is I want to give you a filter in which that you can take, and you don't have to use it. You can completely ignore everything I can, I'm about to say. You can chalk it up to just Christian, fanatical, Jesus-y type stuff, okay? But I just am going to give you a filter of how that you can go into your relationships and regulate them well and determine who's going to help you and who's going to hinder you. And to do that, we're going to read a short passage, like four verses, from the book of John, which was written by John. And John was one of Jesus' closest followers. He was like one of the three closest followers of Jesus. There was 12, but John was among like the three closest, okay? And John lived to be an old man, and he wrote down a lot of his experiences in a very thoughtful, theological, deep way, Jesus' um, teachings. And one of the teachings that Jesus gave was just before he was arrested, crucified, and crucified, um, and it was during this time called the Last Supper. It's in John chapter 15, and Jesus stands up, and he gives us an analogy of how people who are going to follow him, who are going to grow in their faith, should do so, and you can take out of this chapter 15 so many different principles, but one of them we're going to look at today is how do you regulate your relationships, and how do you do that in a healthy way? Way. So here's how the, the whole passage begins. It's kind of like a mini sermon that Jesus gives. He begins and he says, I, Jesus, am the true vine. And so he begins by kind of identifying the characters in the story, or in the analogy, excuse me. So the vine equals Jesus. All right, you guys got that? Then he goes on. He says, God the Father. So the Father is the gardener. Okay, Jesus the vine. God the Father is the gardener. Okay? And then he's going to infer that you and I are branches. Okay, you guys got that? You and I are branches. And he's going to infer that in the rest of his story, but I don't want to get there because, quite yet because I want you to just really visualize what's happening because it will help bring this more to life. This is a picture of a vine. Some of you wine people are really excited by this. Okay, this is how your wine comes to your bottle. Okay, now this right here is what Jesus is talking about. Here is the vine that's coming up out of the ground, supporting the vine up here. And then we are the branches that hold the fruit onto the vine. And Jesus is the vine because Jesus is bringing the life, the nutrients, the sunlight to the plant. And then we are the connection point between the plant and the fruit. And then it gets really interesting. And then it gets he gets into the whole part about filtering and how to determine what is a good relationship and what is not. And here's, at least for me, when I was a kid, this got a little uncomfortable for me. In fact, I kind of looked at this, heard this. I don't know what I was doing in the pew at church at the time, but I just remember thinking to myself, well, that sounds like a little harsh, okay? But here's what he says. He, referring to God, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. In other words... A farmer or a gardener 
is going to regulate his crop, going to regulate the food, going to regulate the field. Now, I know it's so easy. I get it. It's easy to sit there and say, yeah, but, but, but Taylor, if, if the branches are people, you're essentially saying that God's going through like with a little clippers and he's clipping people. And that's kind of that's intense. And I understand that. But think about this. What do farmers and gardeners care most about? We're in Iowa, so you should get this. What do they care most about? How much produce they get at the end of the season. Because that determines how much they can plant the next year, how much income they bring in. Everything is determined by the fruit that is produced. And if it's not producing fruit, how good is it? No good. In fact, it's a waste of space. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of energy and resources. It doesn't make a difference. I mean, imagine, and you've probably actually done this before. You're driving along an Iowa country road, okay, and there's, there's corn and beans on each side, okay, and you look into that field, especially before the corn gets too high, okay, and you just see weeds like everywhere. I don't, maybe you don't do this, but this is what I do. I just kind of judge the farmer a little bit. Do you guys do that? You're like, yeah, you could get this together. Like, that looks like a mess. I'm not a farmer, but that that looks like a mess. You should clean that up. Why? Because you have plants in there that are not producing any fruit, that are consuming the nutrients that the other plants need, and it's just not good farming. It's not a benefit to anybody or anyone. So why then, Jesus is kind of getting that, why then would you keep a branch, why then would you keep people in your life, in your field, that do not bear you any fruit? Why would, you, why would you do that? Regulate your relationships. Regulate your relationships. Our little garden at home, it's, it's not very big, our little garden, okay? I planted some tomatoes, and two of the tomato plants died. I know, it's pretty sad. And two of those plants, and, and I don't want you to panic, but I'll be honest with, with, with you what I did. I went out, and I took those tomato plants out, and I replaced them. Can you believe that? Of course you can believe that. It's a garden. It's like, of course, yeah. Why would you keep dead tomato plants in? Absolutely. So why would you keep dead relationships in your life? Remember in the last series, if you were here for the Bad Blood series, or if you want to like, if you weren't here and you want to go follow up online, you can. It's posted online or on our app. Um, in the last series we talked about, uh, in the last episode of the series, we talked about um, boundaries. We talked about boundaries. And I use the analogy of a front door. Why do you have a front door? To keep people out. Now, does anybody think you are a rude meanie for keeping people out and having a front door? No. They think you're dumb for not having a front door, wouldn't they? Right? And you wouldn't feel exceptionally safe if you didn't have a front door. Why do you have a front door? Because there are burglars, not healthy relationships. You don't want random people just walking into your door. No, you put boundaries up. You say, this is not healthy. I don't want you in my house. Is that mean? No, it's called responsible. It's just called being responsible and creating healthy boundaries. And Jesus is like, listen, if you want to grow in your faith, you're going to have to find some people, not saying the only people in your life, just at least some people recognize if you're going to put a filter on your relationships, recognize that you're going to have to find people that will help you grow if you want to grow. So how do you sort healthy from unhealthy? 
you regulate your relationships based on the fruit produced. If they're not producing fruit, then you have to have an honest conversation with yourself, maybe your spouse, maybe with some friends, and say, listen, this is not healthy. So why would you let it continue? Look at the fruit of people's lives. What decisions do they make? What choices do they make? What are their values? You do this anyways. I'm just saying take it seriously. Where do they invest their time, their money? What comes, what is produced from their life? What fruit is produced from their life? And regulate accordingly. Now, for some of you, you're going to say, okay, Taylor, I've been doing the Jesus thing for a while. Um, I think my relationships are, are pretty healthy. Um, most people in my life are, are fruit-producing people, um, and, and they make good decisions, and, and I hang out with good decision-making people, and so therefore, I also make generally good decisions. And so that's fantastic. But Jesus kind of talks to you for just a second, and he says this. He says, he, the gardener or God, cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, those people who feel like they're in healthy relationships, all that stuff, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. In other, way, in other words, he may cut you back a little bit to help you grow bigger in the end. Remember we talked about in the last couple of weeks growing your faith. And when you grow your faith, it's kind of like a muscle. It's like going to the gym and exercising a muscle. When you go to the gym for the first time, you, at least for some of you, could describe it, or at least, you know, the cramp that you get while you're working out for the first time in a couple of years, as feeling like some shears are like pruning a part of your body, right? Like just, my leg hurts so much. I think actually Steph said this a couple times to me, like, my leg hurts so much, just like cut it off. And then like, okay, that's a dramatic, okay? But, but this kind of illustrates the point. It's like, if you want to grow, sometimes you got to cut back and remove some of that so you can grow bigger and more fruitful in the process because growth sometimes, in fact, a lot of times is challenging and hard and hurts, but the fruit that is born from that decision to be connected to the vine that is Jesus over the long term, and I'll explain this in a second, over the long term, will bear more fruit than you can I could imagine. So, to recap, if you want to grow in your faith, regulate your relationships and look for the fruit that people bear. Now, if you're really following this, you're also thinking to yourself, well, Taylor, that can kind of be tricky because I've seen some fruit. I've seen some people who look really good on the outside, but they're kind of what in the middle? Rotten, right? Not good on the inside. And those, my friends, are the most difficult relationships that we have because they look like they're producing that which is good, but inside it's not. And so Jesus addresses this. Jesus addresses the kind of branches that produce a certain kind of fruit that we're looking for. And remember, he's talking to the disciples, and here's what he said. He said to the disciples, you are already clean. In other words, we're looking for the clean branches and the clean fruit that's produced. And how are you going to find that? Not just based on the fruit that's produced. It's a certain kind of fruit. And if you're not a Jesus follower, I'm just fair warning up until this point, you can take this, you can go out the door, and you can apply it right away. But this is where it gets Christian. This is where it gets really real. And this is where the bar gets really high. So I just want you to be aware that your defenses may tend to come up during this this little section, but I promise by the end, you'll probably kind of like deep down saying, ah, I think this is 
This is probably some good stuff. You are already clean. Why? Because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, and I will also remain in you. That at the center of healthy, produced fruit, at the center of every healthy, producing branch, you are connected to Jesus. You're connected to the vine. And I get, like, if you're not a Jesus follower, how you push back on that, I totally, I totally understand that. But even if you're not a Jesus follower, most Jesus followers acknowledge, acknowledge that Jesus was an extraordinary teacher and extraordinary values and morals. So at least just give me that much. But especially if you are a Christian, this is kind of the non-negotiable part. And I want to put that picture of the vine up again so you really can picture what's happening here. Because Jesus, this vine that's feeding you the branch to produce that fruit, is this kind of man. Just a few minutes before he even went into this whole mini-sermon, he got down on his hands and knees and he washed the feet, the dirty, stinky feet of all of his disciples, including, including the one who would betray him. Because Jesus did not come to be served by other people, he came to serve other people. That's the kind of fruit we're talking about. That's the kind of fruit. And then he said, just as I have loved you, just as I have served you, just as I have been kind to you, this is how you have to treat one another. In fact, the world, get this, this is so critical. The world will know that you are my disciples. In other words, that you are connected to me, not by how many times you go to church, because I would love that, but that's not what he said. He said it's by how you love one another. In that fruit should be a profound sense of loving one another. Jesus brought to the table unmatched generosity. He brought grace, the fullness of grace, and he brought the fullness of truth. He didn't just leave it there and say, oh, you're just great and hug it out and go be you and you be you. No, no, no. He said, I love you for who you are, but I believe you could be better. I believe there's these things in your life, we call them sin, and they could be forgiven, and you could live free of them. Jesus, whose spirit came later in the book of Acts and, and kind of helps uh, as a Christian community um, as we pray and, and we, uh, in the presence of the Spirit. Essentially, you could take it this way as a really simplified version, but just the voice in your heart that says things smarter than you are, that's like God's spirit, okay? So some of you really need to listen up to him a bit more, okay? But Paul describes that spirit, the fruit of the spirit, as love, joy, peace, forbearance. All of these things are in, coming out of this fruit, okay? Forbearance, kindness, goodness, patience, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. All of that is the fruit that comes from the vine that is Jesus. Jesus who died for you. Not to guilt you and shame you, but to save you and to forgive the debt of sin on your life because God so loved you. That's the vine your heavenly Father wants you to be connected to and wants the people that you surround yourself to be connected to. And maybe the people around you are not at that point. I understand that. 
But for you to grow, you have to recognize and be aware and regulate your relationships in a way that will help you to choose the healthy relationships and acknowledge those that aren't. Because if you live under the false idea that these relationships that you know deep down really aren't healthy to begin with continue to speak into your life and dictate your decisions, you will essentially follow that path and it will hold you back. My encouragement to you is to regulate your relationships based on the Jesus-like fruit produced. Look at the fruit of other people's lives. And please, 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 don't do this from a prideful way because I think that's our temptation as Christians. Oh, we're just so self-righteous and we're just, we're, we're Jesus followers, you know, and all of you out there who aren't. No, no, no. This is not an anger. This is not a pride thing, okay? This is a prioritizing your faith for you to grow thing. Listen, you can still be connected with other people. I'm not saying that. Please, love your neighbor today. I'm just saying be aware of the fruit that they produce and how that has an impact on you. Listen, people may say, I know this will shock you, but people may say they're actually Christians, okay? But when you look at the fruit of their life, it isn't very get down on your hands and knees and wash feet. It isn't very serving others. It isn't very patient and loving and forbearing and kind and generous and giving and grace-filled and truth-filled and self-controlling. That's Jesus-like kind of fruit. And my friends, maybe, maybe before you even get to the other people, maybe you just need to do a little bit of a self-examination to regulate your own relationships, including your relationship with your Heavenly Father through Jesus. Because maybe your starting point isn't others, it's you. And whether or not you're connected to the vine. And maybe that isn't your next step. Maybe you need to find people who will help you as it was for me. I needed to find other people who would help explain and teach and help me to grow in my faith so I could understand what it looked like to be connected to that vine. But my friends, I think deep down, Christian or not, you kind of sit there and think to yourself, Those are great friends. In fact, those are the kind of relationships I want to have with the people around me. I would love, love to be surrounded every day by people who just embody that kind of love. You will know that you are my, they will know you're my disciple by how they love one another, how you love one another. That's a great friendship. That's a great person to have in your life. So why not start now? Why not find those people? Be aware where they are and where they're not. And don't walk away from those relationships God has given you because I just want to give you a couple next steps here. One of them is that God appointed a relationship for you, that God has brought somebody in your life and you kind of hear that little voice in your conscience, your heart that says, hey, they're really important. You should probably pay attention, okay? If that's kind of how you're feeling, then you should probably pay attention because God may be nudging you in a certain direction. So I'd really encourage you to make them a priority. And at least in my life, when I've stumbled across these people, they're generally really, really busy people. I got people kind of actually like literally now all four corners of the United States that I connect with on a regular basis for myself because they are people, a really great leadership quote uh, I heard a while ago was um, to find people who are where you want to go. And so that's what I do. I find people who are where I believe that God has called me to go. And so if it's like at this 
you know, level of faith and, and depth and understanding, that, that that's the people that I want to connect with. And so I connect with them. And they're probably pretty busy, but even a 10-minute phone call can just be so, I can't, just incredibly fruitful. But if I don't hold on to that relationship, if I don't acknowledge, hey, God, you may be doing something here, then I have no opportunity for even that 10-minute phone call or that quick text, text, texting session back and forth. Second one, serve on a team. And it's like, oh, wow, pastor, you want people to serve. Yeah, I do. Because when you're among people who are serving other people, you're in a small way connecting to the vine that is Jesus. And the last one, is to join slash lead a small group. And again, it's like a really predictable, stereotypical thing for the pastor to say, but my friends, life is just better together. We just don't say that, we believe it. Because if you're around people who are also saying, you know what, we're committed to growing. We're committing to exploring faith and finding community with one another. Guess what you're going to find after that year together? You're going to find faith and you're going to find community. You're going to find faith and you're going to find community because you have built relationships with other people who are in the same boat as you. In fact, I bet those relationships, if you invest in them, and it's not easy and it's not perfect and it's messy, relationships are hard, but if you invest in them, there will be a time when you look back. I hope this is the time that you look back and you're like, I don't even know why I go to church on Sundays. Because I don't even need that Pastor Taylor guy anymore. Like, I just need my group. Like, we just, we talk, we get deep, and we grow, and all that stuff. We should just, you know, we don't even need that Pastor guy. I, that would be fantastic. I, I, I don't need to be here. Because you can do this on your own. That's fantastic. Because if all of you in one group are saying, our goal is to connect to the vine, incredible, incredible things will happen. Incredible things will happen. Incredible things will happen. So this is my prayer for you. As you go out in your weeks and your days, leverage that filter that Jesus has given us to say, what, what fruit are you producing out of your relationships? And not saying cut those relationships off, though some you may need to shut the door on because that's just the responsible, healthy thing to do. But other relationships you may need to maintain and just acknowledge that they may not be the most fruitful of relationships, but find those individuals and hold on and create that environment. Get in a group, whatever it takes to start building relationships with those people who are in the same path or hopefully are even a little farther down the path who can help you in your journey to grow. And I promise you'll get to a point where you'll look back and say, I don't know what I would have done without those relationships. Or I look back and I say, I'm so glad that I closed the door on that relationship. Maybe not forever, but at least for now. And most importantly, my friends, my encouragement to you is to consider what it would look like for you to directly connect in to your heavenly Father through his son Jesus as the one who came not to be served, but to serve. Because God so loved the world and Jesus so loves you. And that's the outpouring. That's the fruit you produce from that connection. That's my prayer for you. If you would, bow your heads, pray for you, sing a song, and get going. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for all of us who are here this morning, and, and we sat through this, and we kind of knew on our hearts those relationships that 
maybe it's time to close the door. Maybe we need to do a better job of filtering out. And maybe those relationships we need to prioritize and invest in. And Lord, relationships are hard. They're messy. They're difficult. Would you just help us to connect in to you if that's our decision? And then to go forward in those relationships with you front and center. Lord, that we'd ask you for guidance, maybe take some time and pray to you and say, hey, Lord, how, how do I handle this relationship? Or maybe as we find people who we believe are maybe authentic and producing that good and healthy fruit, we say, hey, how can we handle these relationships that are really difficult? How can we grow through some of these challenging relationships? And Lord, would you as we navigate these difficult relationships, help to open the doors and help us to walk through the doors in our lives, the relationship doors that we have opening in our lives to connect with those people who will help us grow and learn and mature in our understanding and our relationship with you. That whether we're really far away from you, we consider ourselves really far away from you or really close to you, wherever we are in that spectrum, that you would help us to walk through those relationships. Lord, give us the strength, the wisdom, whatever we need to navigate those well and to grow our faith in the process. In your name I pray, amen. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's message. Regulating your relationships can definitely be difficult. So remember to look for the fruit that comes from people's choices and behaviors and decisions. And then ask yourself, are those choices, those decisions, are those bits of fruit out of that person's life reflective of Jesus? And is that the kind of relationship that you want to have? And some prayer might not hurt either. We'll see you next week as we wrap up this series.